Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm very excited about our guest today. The legendary Tony Hawk joined us live via Zoom, where you guys could see him, he could see you, you could ask questions, and it was very, very sweet and heartwarming to see all of the kids who were dying to ask Tony Hawk a question. And of course, Tony being the precious and amazing individual that he is, really enjoyed and and was in his element answering all the questions from kids and fans who are adults as well. I definitely want to make sure that we talk about the Tony Hawk Foundation from the outset. This is Tony's foundation, which has awarded more than $10 million to help create public skate parks. The mission of the Tony Hawk Foundation is to help underserved communities create safe and inclusive public skate parks for young people. So such a great mission. To date, more than 6 million visitors annually annually enjoy the skate parks that the Tony Hawk Foundation has helped fund. So great, great episode today with Tony and totally appreciative of everyone who joined. And of course, Tony's time and energy and just his contribution to not only the sport of skating, but to young people and older people everywhere. So check out the live recording. Is a recording live? It was a recording of the live call <laughs> on my YouTube channel. I will post that in the show notes. And make sure you share, rate, and review this podcast because it allows me to keep on going. Hope you all enjoy this episode with the legendary Tony Hawk. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Hi, everybody. All right, everybody. We're going to get started. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Meredith Atwood. I'm, um, I have a podcast and I'm an author of a book called The Year of No Nonsense. And Tony Hawk is the most kind person to me ever. Um, he entertains my emails <laughs> and my questions. And so I am very, very grateful. So thank you all for, for joining. I am going to kick this off with a very special guest besides Tony. His name is Nolan, and I believe you are here, right, Nolan? Yeah. There you are. Hi. Hi. How are you today? Good. Good. I heard that you wanted to kick off this big meetup today by asking Tony a question. Yes. Okay. Well, the floor is yours, my dear. Go ahead. Hi. I live in Canada and I'm eight years old. I love skateboarding and my question is, what is your favorite trick to do and why? Wow, um, that's a really good question. I think uh, as I've gotten older and wiser with my uh, risk assessment, uh, my favorite trick is a backside ollie, which is basically a doing a, an aerial without grabbing my board um, because 
I like how it feels. I like that I can control what I'm doing without actually touching the skateboard. And um, it feels really cool. It feels like you're defying gravity. That, that is cool. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Sure. Thanks, Nolan. Thanks for your question. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Nolan. All right, Tony. Well, thank you very much for being a part of this. Um, I first want, before we kick off, I do want to talk about your foundation because you're doing some great things with that. So if we can kick off with that and, and let us know about the Tony Hawk Foundation and, and what the mission is and, and what you guys are doing during this time. Uh, sure. Well, um, the foundation, we help support public skate parks in undeserved areas and underserved areas. And uh, basically the mission is to provide public skate facilities um, in places where kids feel maybe disenfranchised. They, you know, they've found a sport like skateboarding, but don't have much support for it. And it really is, is um, an extension of me having a place like that when I was a kid and, and realizing later how much value it, it provided me, not just because it made a career, but because it gave me a sense of belonging and a place to really find my crew and, and to find my voice. And I feel like there are so many kids that are maybe struggling, don't fit in, and they gravitate towards skateboarding, but they don't have a place where they can hang out with their like-minded people. And so that's the mission of the foundation. Uh, we started about 18 years ago. Uh, we've helped to fund over 900 parks now. Um, we've given away almost $10 million and, um, I feel like there's still much more work to be done. Uh, skating is, is still on the rise. It's very much an established form of uh, exercise. And the attitude has shifted greatly over those years in terms of acceptance and uh, equality. And so um, it's the work I'm most proud of. And selfishly, I just get more places to skate as we have more parks. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you said 600 parks? Uh, over 900 now. 900. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know a lot of people, I mean, anytime someone says Tony Hawk, everyone says, oh yeah, I know Tony Hawk, the skateboard guy. But I think what's so fascinating about you is this, your story and the enduring story, because I mean, you, you've been through the eighties, the nineties now. I mean, it's like almost three generations of skate, right? That, that you've sort of been the the figure, the figure. So I wanted people to know your story just really quickly because I think it, you know, everyone knows you as the skateboard guy, but the, the way that you kind of rose and then skateboarding kind of fell off and then the waves, I think is such a great thing. So if, if you would mind sharing that and then we can start to take some questions, that would be awesome. So if anyone has any questions, uh, go ahead and raise your Zoom hand. Sure. Well, I, I started skating um, when I was about uh, nine years old, 10 years old. And mostly because a lot of my kids, my friends were doing it in the neighborhood. Um, my older brother was a surfer. And so he was skating as that was sort of coming into, I, I would say it, it was just a trend, really. It was more like a toy that people, people considered it more of a toy. And there were skate parks starting to open, but that was really um, a, a delicate matter because the insurance was an issue. So, uh, I remember going to the skate park for the first time and I literally saw people flying out of swimming pools and I, that was my epiphany. I was hooked. I wanted to do that at any cost. <laughs> um, and so I just, I dove in, I literally dove in head first, got 
had a concussion, knocked my teeth out, but um, that's a different story. <laughs> and uh, and I just fell in love with it. And as I as I got more devoted to it, it started to die off in popularity. So it was I was sort of in the right place at the wrong time. Um, but I loved it. So I just I I, I sought out any events I could go to, any other parks I could go to. My dad was was really supportive. He drove me around all of Southern California to the skate parks that were open then. And um, it was a very small scene, but that was that was my scene. That was it. I, I loved it. I loved the attitude. I loved the DIY aspect. I loved the the music, the the fashion. And so as it started to it, it it was, like I said, it was sort of dying off, but at the same time, there were these little events and I started to kind of make a name for myself because I was getting better each at each one and improving. Um, and at some point I sort of reached the top of the amateur ranks. Um, I eventually turned pro and all that really meant was that I, <laughs> at, at one event, I, I filled out the entry form and checked the pro box instead of the amateur <laughs> box. Right, a new it. label. Like <laughs> That's it, yeah, and, and and really, I was still skating against my peers, um, and there was no money to be made. I mean, we were all vying for a hundred dollars first, first place winner take all. So there was never that was never the incentive. Um, and then around the mid '80s, and luckily for me, I was still pretty young, so it wasn't like I was choosing a career for myself. But um, in the mid '80s, things started to sort of take off again, and skating started to become popular. It was, you know. I think a lot of it had to do with honestly back to the future um when uh marty mcfly right rode right. his skateboard that inspired a lot of kids to start in that era um and then skating started to get big i was in my late i was i was in my uh later years of high school and realized that everyone that i was going to school with trying to figure out what their career is going to be how they're going to make a living and i was already making a living um, I literally bought a house when I, while I was still a senior in high school, wow. which made it very challenging to stay the course, sure. um, but I managed to, <laughs> um, and then things kind of exploded then, but, but dropped off very quickly. So in my early twenties, I found myself with two mortgages, a oh. son on the way and my income dropping by half every month. Um, and so that was a challenge, obviously. Um, I never quit. Like I knew that no matter what I did, I wanted to keep skating, even if it was for, for peanuts. Um, it, that's, that's what it took. And so I just sort of uh, reassessed my finances. Um, I, I cut back. I was, I was living, I mean, it's you know, this famous story, but it's true. I was living on Taco Bell, Top Ramen, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for at least two years, maybe three years. Wow. Um, and then skating started to come back around, I think thanks to the X Games um, right. and, and sort of its, its uh, revolution of street skating was happening in those times where, um, and, then, uh, and then it started to, it, it came back in full force. Um, I'd say in the, in the mid to late 90s. Right. And I had signed a deal to do a video game, which seemed like more of a novelty. But as things progressed, it, you know, it exploded. And, and really, like, between the X Games and the video game, um, I think that put skating on the map. 
and yeah. uh it, it sort of that was the tipping point that's when skating was here to stay and yeah. i've been doing it ever since like i i think my my only byline is that i never quit doing it right you just kept going because you loved it yeah i mean i was willing to do it uh it, it, i don't know I, I learned through all those years that that i loved it more than anything i never i definitely never did it for the money um, and I was willing to do it and struggle because that brought me so much happiness. Right, right. All right, well, we've got our first question, Razor. I am going to unmute you, if I can figure out. There we go, you're unmuted, go ahead. Hello, that's me. So um, I'm a big fan of The Masked Singer and I've been watching for like a year now. I wanted to know what was it like stepping out of your comfort zone, singing in front of a crowd like that, knowing that you would be on TV? <laughs> uh, that was probably the most frightened I've been in a long time. Um, but I did have a good, I had good support. My sister is a professional singer. She used to sing for uh, Michael Bolton and the Righteous Brothers. And so she helped me I think she helped me just realize that I could at least stay in tune. And that's, that's really all I cared about. My friend who um, is in a band as well, he said, look, at the very worst, it's not going to suck. And that was it. That was, that was all I took from it. It was like, okay, that's, I'm going then. Also, um, I was wondering, so I found out through the clue package that you're a drummer. So I was wondering, from I'm not. I, that's what they, they were throwing people off with that. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why, but I think that that's why none of the panel got it. Oh. oh. Tricky, tricky. Thanks, Razor. That was a great question. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I wish I could drum. <laughs> All right. Next question is going to be Mitchell. Um, I am unmuting you, I think. Did I do it? Mitchell, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? What's up, Mitch? What's going on, Sweet Pea? It's been a minute or two. It's been a minute. So you want to talk to this guy here or what? I hear you got a story. Well, Tom, I was going to ask you about The Masked Singer because I am also uh, love that show. But um, I was going to ask you just one off-the-wall question. Do you remember when you first signed Danny Wade? I came to Savannah's expedition with the metal half pipe. And that silver bus that y'all um, let everybody uh, sign. What, what year would that be? That was probably uh, 91 or 92. Um, oh, so many tours, so many demos. I'd have to figure <laughs> out. If, if it was 91 or 92, were we on a birdhouse trip? No. No, yeah, I think you were still with Paparota, I think. Oh, yeah? Okay. Matter of fact, uh, Meredith's husband, me and him, and a whole bunch of our buddies went down there to go see it, and uh, we had a blast. And they almost got arrested by the cops because they didn't want to skateboard in downtown Savannah, you know? Oh yeah, that that's sounds right. familiar. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I wish I could remember that exact time, but but definitely that was that was uh, Danny Way's breakout year for sure. Yes, and, it was. Uh, that's when that's when he started really taking sort of the street elements and bringing it onto the ramps and we were all blown away. I mean, we were just like, wow, that's, that's a whole new level. I do. I see Christian. Uh, sometimes uh, we do a lot of events together. There's sort of this thing where 
they they have pro uh, skate events, usually like uh, pool events, and they'll have a pro category and they'll have a masters category, which is like the the older guys, and then they have the legends category, and that's just a nice way of saying really old guys, um, <laughs> and that's where I fit in. So that's where uh, me, Christian Osoy, Steve Caballero, Lance Mountain, Mike McGill, we we we're in that category, and it's fun. It's really fun skating with those guys. Yeah, Meredith Pumpkin. I'm going to call on him now since you, since you pulled him into the mix. Thanks, Mitch. It's oh, good yeah. to see you. You got to ask me about <laughs> that leg about my ramp in front of my oh, house. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Speaking of, uh, James Atwood, you are up. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. There's an echo because he's upstairs. <laughs> yes. That's what's up. <laughs> So Tony, listen, first, thanks for being so incredibly gracious with your, your time today and sure. for being a phenomenal ambassador for the sport of skateboarding. I mean, it's oh, thank you. incredible. Um, I, I think Mitch mentioned it. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a few of my buddies on the call that I used to skate with as a kid back in the day, way back in the day. And for us, having a safe place to skate was always a huge challenge. It really was. So the work you're, you're doing with your foundation is incredible, providing a safe place to skate for especially kids that are, that are underprivileged. So I was hoping you'd be willing to share a story or two about a specific park you, you funded that is especially uh, important for you. Uh, sure, well, I mean, there, there are many, many parks, but I think that one that stands out is uh, we, we funded a park in Compton, and usually we don't fund entire parks. Usually we, just, we give a grant and that sort of gives them the validation and the motivation to get more funding um but we did do a specific raising of funds for compton and ended up uh helping to build this facility and so there is this world-class skate park facility in compton you know compton is is so iconic for a, a challenged los angeles neighborhood um and uh i got to go i went to the grand opening and it was awesome um, so, I mean, that's one park that I'm hugely proud of. It's, it's a, a, a little older park now, um, but it's still there and still going strong. And um, other than that, we've done, you know, we've done actual, uh, like in, in New York City, we helped to fund the skate park that's directly under the Manhattan Bridge. Wow. Um, and that one is more raw, uh, much more street oriented and much more um, the kind of place you'd expect where, you go to a park and, and it's a scene, but it's it's um, unsupervised and it feels very uh, fun. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, David, David Morris, you are up. I am unmuting you. You're good to go. Hey, Tony. It's uh, a quick question. There's been rumors of uh, Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 being re-released on next-gen consoles. Is it a, a, a true rumor or not? I, I wish that was a true rumor. I honestly do. Um, I, I would welcome that with open arms, but, uh, nothing right now. No working on a new game though? No. Cool. Sorry. Thanks, man. I wish. <laughs> Thanks. All right. I, I, I'm trying to put the word out. I do, I do hear all of those requests though. Trust me. That is, I would say that is at least half of the replies I get on social media is please, please, please remaster your video games. So I, I hear you loud and clear. 
All right, Benjamin, I'm unmuting you. All right, buddy, you're up. Um, what's your worst injury? Uh, I broke my pelvis and it is without a question the worst thing that's uh, happened to me physically because you can break your arm and still function. You can break your leg, you know, and get around. When you break your pelvis, it is central to everything and you just sit. And so I sat for a couple months um, and uh, it was really hard to get my, not just my physical movement back, but my confidence back because it kind of made me question things I used to take for granted. And so I really didn't get back to full, uh, to, to my full functioning skating until almost a year after that. Wow. Thank but you. Don't break your pelvis. That's my advice. Don't break your pelvis. That's, that's the takeaway from today. Keep yeah. your pelvis intact. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Tony, one of the things that I think you said in an interview with Rich Roll is that you are in a small community already considered an outcast because you skated. And then you were an outcast in the outcast community. Um, one of the questions that came through privately via chat was, can you speak to a little, a little bit about the importance of skateboarding and mental health and kind of the idea of, of this outcast? Because I know that there is a connection to that, to our mental health and, and not and feeling like we don't belong. So can you speak to maybe about skateboarding and mental health and how, how it's a good thing to, to have your own little place of the world? Sure. Well, I think that the, the thing about skateboarding, it teaches you so much about self-discipline and self-confidence because at the end of the day, it is just your own, um, your own skill set, your own challenges and your own progress. And it's not about relying on the team. It's not about the team relying on you. It's not about listening to a coach. And don't get me wrong. I think teamwork is hugely important, but when you're skating, it's really just about how you're going to perform and how you, what your takeaway from that is. And, and I learned that, you know, very early that um, this is my own voice. This is my own style. I'm just going to make it the way I like to do it. Um, but in speaking to your, uh, your question about being an outcast. Yeah, that was, that was hard for me because right when I really fell in love with skating is when it dropped off in popularity. So I was already, an outcast at school because I skated. I mean, I was largely made fun of because it was supposed to, it was considered a kid's thing. It was like, you still, you still skate. It was like saying, you still play with yo-yos. <laughs> right. What's wrong with you? And so in that respect, you know, and I'm older. So in, in our day that was called being picked on. We now we now know that as bullying, but, it, but when I was in school, I just got picked on incessantly. And so I just kind of shied away from my peers at school and fell in love with skating because I thought that was such a cool community. It was endlessly cool, like the music, the fashion, the, the attitude. And then I was so young and scrawny and my style was just sort of janky. And so I was made fun of in this, in this world of outcasts. So then I was really isolated and, right. and that made it hard. But what I did was I found, I found some community in, in peers my age and we all sort of had the same attitude where it's like, well, let's try this style of skating. Let's try these tricks. And that gave us comfort. And, and as small as it was, as our little community, it, it made us thrive. And at some point, our style of skating sort of took over because there was this sort of old guard and, and they were doing it a, a different way. 
and that that became you know not progressive um and what i learned through all of those years is to just block out the noise and mm. ignore the the naysayers and the haters and just do your thing because that's what's going to give you happiness um luckily because i went through that and and you know i like I, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone but because i went through that it definitely prepared me for the amount of negativity on social media <laughs> I heard you say one time, at least like 15 years ago, they said it to my face and now it's just like, blah, blah, blah. Sure, yeah. Well then, <laughs> then through the years, I, I, I was the first one to get big sponsorships, to get corporate, um, connections. You were a sellout, and so people were a like, sellout. you're a sellout. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just like, you guys, I've done this for so long for no compensation. <laughs> I would have happily done this for money when I was 18 or when I was 24 struggling as a, as a young father. So it's not that you're selling out, it's that people are finally recognize you and sort of buying in. Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good one. Um, Brian, Happenan, sorry, I don't know. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. You are unmuted. Hey, that's cool. Uh, hey guys, thanks for doing this. Hey, Tony. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to see you in Agawam, Mass, on the Bones Brigade tour, and I saw an interview, you were talking about doing a 540 on that, that, tra that trailer half, and uh, I thought you were talking about Agawam, Mass, because you did it a couple times, you tried, and you didn't get it, and then you did it, and it was a crazy little tiny half, and it was awesome, it was real cool, it was right after Ban This, so some of the younger brigade guys were there, it was just a lot of fun, you remember that? Uh, I do. I was probably on tour with, uh, I want to say, Ray Underhill, Steve yeah. Size. Yeah. Is that right? Pear Wheelander. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. And uh, that was, oh, oh, it was, it was on the Bones Ring at Halfpipe, right? The one yeah. that we brought along. Okay. Yeah. You, I, I, I do remember because I only did 540s on that a handful of times. Yeah. So if you saw one of those, that was pretty rare. I remember reading an interview where you said that. And real quick, I just wanted to say thank you. You know, back then, I don't know if you guys realized the music out here in the East Coast, all we could get was MTV crap. Those old videos, I mean, that's where I heard Descendants for the first time. Oh, yeah. Fire Hose. That just introduced me to a world that to this day, it's huge, you know? Oh, thank you. Thank I you. mean, that, all, all of that soundtrack, you know, that's the reason that. I put that all on our video games was to introduce that music to a new generation. And, uh, um, I'm so thankful for it because if, you know, it, that was, that was our soundtrack to the skate parks when I was growing up, I literally was at a skate park Marina del Rey when I was about 11 years old and all of these punks started flooding in and I said, what's going on? They said, the circle jerks are playing. <laughs> <That's so great. laughs> Thanks Tony. That's Thank awesome. You. Brian, great energy. I want to be friends with you. <laughs> Not that I don't want to be friends with everyone, but that was awesome. All right, Amber, I'm going to unmute you. You are up. Oh, hello. Unfortunately, I can't unmute. Um, so I just wanted to ask, um, I'm a roller skater. I play roller derby. What are some ways that um, a skater can have better balance and improve their gameplay, even if you can't be on skates or on wheels in general? And thank you for um, everything. Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't, um, first of all, I love roller derby. I think you guys are awesome. And um, 
I have seen, I mean, I know we're all uh, holed up right now, but I have seen a few girls at the local skate park in San Diego who do roller derby, who have really been working on skating at skate parks. And I feel like that's improving their skills, their confidence. Um, and, uh, but besides uh, skating itself, I don't really have any sort of, of training regimen. Um, I surf and that has helped my style in skating. Um, but I'm not really sure about uh, what you can do besides roller skating. I mean, I, I think that if you tried skateboarding, that would help too. I really do. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, Burgess, I am going to unmute you. You're up. Hi, my son Isaac has a question. So hey, I I'm still working on like an ollie. Like what was your first trick and um, like what did it feel like? Um, shoot, that's it, it. See, I grew up in a different era. I grew up before the Ollie was actually invented. So that wasn't something we were aspiring to. Like the, the question, because these days, I mean, it went through the years. Usually it's like, how high can you Ollie? Can you do a kickflip? When my day, it was how many 360s can you do? Um, and I couldn't do very many. I didn't, I wasn't good at skating on the flat ground. So that's why I was drawn to skate pools. Um, the first thing I remember doing on my skateboard that I felt like I accomplished something was going up a curb. So not ollieing, but actually just like lifting my wheels up, hitting the bottom of the board, and then rocking the rest of it up. And I felt like I felt like I could move through the urban landscape that way. Like I could get to school and not have to get off my board. So that was a huge <laughs> accomplishment. Okay, thank oh, you, that's Tony. great. That's thank great. You. Thank you. All right, Chris Unsold, you are unmuted. Hey, Tony, Chris here in uh, Denver, Colorado. Cold. Hello, hello. Cold <laughs> so I grew up with uh, Bucky Lassick, and I remember Bones Brigade tour when you guys found him. He was riding for Ocean City, Maryland. Uh-oh. Hold on, Chris. Yep. I think you were breaking yep. up. Can you repeat that last part? Um, you and Bucky are still really good friends and hanging out. Are you a car enthusiast like Bucky is? Not, not, uh, not <laughs> as passionate as Bucky is, no. No. <laughs> I, do, I do like cars. I like, I like driving fast, but um, he, he goes deep. Yeah, and I appreciate absolutely. that, but um, I, I honestly, I don't feel like I, I have the time or energy, and that is a rabbit hole. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, one, one, he's a good driver, one, one more, that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one more question. Um, so you recently started skating for Vance. Is there any plan uh, for a signature shoe here in the future? Ooh. Uh, not one. in the immediate future, no. Um, but I'm no. excited. I mean, I started my Vans was the first skate shoe I ever got when I was a kid. So I'm excited to be back on the team. Awesome. Gotcha. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's a question. This one came through the chat, but I think it's a good one from Jacob. I have a question about social media skateboarding pages such as Thrasher. They seem to often show skaters doing really dumb or dangerous things, drinking while skating. These pages have a ton of kids that follow them. Do you feel that they should ensure that the content is positive or reinforce that younger kids will wear helmets? Just what are your thoughts on, on that kind of culture? 
Um, well, it's I, 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 it's hard to, I don't underestimate their reach, but at the same time, for a for a, uh, a magazine or a brand like Thrasher, that is what they built themselves on. So for them to suddenly change direction would be very unnerving. And so <laughs> it's not that I'm, I, you know, it's not that I am overly supportive of what they're putting out there, but at the same time, they've never wavered. You know, even Thrasher back in the day, it was showing that kind of behavior in their pages and their on their um, newspaper magazine. Mm. So, um, you know, that's, I, I think that's, you get what you see, what, what you see is what you get with them. Um, but there are plenty of other outlets that are showing a more positive side of skateboarding. Uh, uh, you know, we had our ride channel for a while on, on um, YouTube. Uh, there is like the Braille skate. There are plenty of other outlets that are, that are pushing a more, positive thing but thrasher is thrasher you know you get you get what you you get the hall of meat you get the hardcore elements and um i don't think that's going to change and and uh i'm just doing my best to put out what i think is is a positive message yeah you can't control what other people do but also i mean this was a this was a time when you were skating when i was growing up i mean we were just riding unbuckled in the back of the station wagon yeah parents smoking Absolutely. in the front and you know yeah. I mean but that you know there's there's no there's no justifying that kind of thing obviously we all learn and we all evolve we're here still <laughs> exactly but but it's like Thrasher just did a 180 and suddenly put themselves out there that it was like uh peace and love it's not gonna fly mm -hmm. right right all right good question Jacob thank Thanks. you um, I have a question from, um, and I, there's an issue with unmuting, but it's from a, a kiddo, so I think we should ask it. But the question is, how did you, Tony, feel on your first competition? And if everyone else can please mute, sorry, let me mute everyone, and then I'll unmute you, Tony. So we've got some reverb. Okay, how did you feel on your first competition? Uh, incredibly nervous, uh, highly doubtful and it got the best of me in my first competition i fell on tricks that i could do with my eyes closed in my sleep um and i learned a lot about having to practice and having confidence and having a better attitude because i just i just let it get to me so um at my first competition i literally placed second to last that's great i think it's great you showed up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, you mentioned like being an outcast in your own sport and and my husband and I, we were Olympic style weightlifters in high school, which was like totally not cool. CrossFit made Olympic style weightlifting cool. And so like being in an outcast sport and then I was an outcaster in the sport of triathlon because I came in there. I'm not very athletic at all when it comes to endurance sports. And so I'm like wading through the sport. Like I can be a triathlete. I can do it. So second to last sounds great to me, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. I remember have... going. I remember going to the uh, the organizer of the event because they didn't call the results. They only called like the top ten. And so I said, well, "What place did I get?" And and she said, "What's your name, honey?" And I said, "Tony Hawk." And and she goes through the sheet, and then through the next sheet, <laughs> and then she went down to the end. She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, dear. You're second to last." <laughs> But imagine just this is such a lesson for anyone watching this. Like if you if you had let that get to you, if you thought, well, I can't win, so I'm not going to show up. Like, look, where would the world be? It would have 900 fewer skate parks. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, mean, I just, it was too much. Yeah. I, well, I wasn't going to quit skating. I just knew that I had to figure out how to compete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The questions are going wild. Hey, everyone, remember to keep yourself muted and raise your hand. Okay. We have a lot of questions. Brian, you're at the top of the queue. I'm going to unmute you. Hey, what's up, Tony? Hey, Brian. We got a quick question. After all the falls over the years, do you find it painful when you get up in the morning? <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that lingers, the one thing that lingers is my neck. I have a very stiff neck and I have to actively try to loosen it throughout the day and actually get work done on it sometimes. And I'm not one to uh, promote like all, you know, all these different techniques or health or yoga and stuff, but that is the one thing that I have to, I have to keep tabs on. And um, I mean, definitely like my, you know, my ankles pop and my knees and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> I, uh, my neck is the, is the thing that I feel like, has taken the most damage. It's just all that impact and all the whiplashes through the years. And you do yoga? I don't. I probably should. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't dismiss it, but um, it's hard to make time. We have a lot of kids and we they're all home now because yeah, three yeah. were in college and they're all back. So that makes it challenging to find time throughout the day. I'm, I'm holed up in our bedroom right now with the door closed. <laughs> like, you guys don't come in here until 10 o'clock. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Brian. Thank One you. of the things, so I have neck problems too, and we bought an inversion table a while ago, and that thing is awesome. Um, you just kind of hang upside down like a possum, and that's that's been helpful. Um, Kristen, you are gone. Okay, Sean, you are unmuted. What was the biggest trick you ever did? Uh, that's a good question, Sean. I think that the the trick people probably most associate with me is doing a 900 which is a two and a half spin off the ramp um i tried it for almost 10 years of my life off and on until finally making one and uh a lot of people saw it on tv so that's probably the one I, i've done it um a bunch of times since then um there are other tricks that I'm more proud of because I think the the technique is is a little more difficult, but um, I think that's the one that that people really see me with. Last night, um, I was talking to my husband in the kitchen. And I was like, "Is it? Did he do it? Because I don't I don't know much about skating. I know about you, but not skating." And I said, "Was it like the the 500 he did or something?" And my husband's like, "No, it's the 900." And he stands in front of the fridge. He's like, "360." He like demos it like several times for me <laughs> to show me he's like 360 plus 300 i was like oh i get it now and then we watched the video so that was that was funny all right brooke patterson oh, you. you are unmuted Shoot. go baby oh Say hey hi. buddy um, hey what's up brooke um, you're asher. i'm asher not oh hey asher sorry <laughs> you're labeled incorrectly so when did you start skating? Uh, like I was about like I was about nine years old when I first stepped on a skateboard and I was uh, 10 when I took it seriously. When I was nine, I was just doing it as transportation to and from school. And then when I was 10 is when I first got to go to the skate park. And that's, that's when I was doing everything else, including basketball and the league. 
That's a good question. Good question. All right, moving on. Thomas Judd, you are unmuted. Tony, uh, as a professional skateboarder, um, what kind of, uh, do you have any goals or tricks that you're still, uh, that are still on your radar that you want to accomplish? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm always tinkering with new tricks. Um, they've, they've come, my, my focus has kind of shifted just as I got older. Like I don't want to do the big airs or the big spins or the high impact stuff, um, for obvious reasons, but, uh, there's, there's definitely techniques that I'm, I'm trying that are more technical, like with, uh, moving the board and, and doing tricks up on the lip of the ramp as opposed to way up high. So uh, to answer your question, if you want to get real nerdy, I'm trying to learn backside pop, shove it to backside blunt slide 180 in. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me mute everyone. Um, Ella? Hi, I have a question. Um, so I don't know if Tony has noticed, but he has a fan account on Twitter about his skateboard. And I was wondering <laughs> I, how I've you seen that. felt about it. Uh, I, I think it's cool. I think it's interesting that someone would devote their time to that. Um, but they're again. always very complimentary. So I, I thank them for their service. It's actually a fan account for my skateboard. It's Tony Hawk skateboard on Twitter. And what does your skateboard do? Like what, what is this fan account? Uh, <laughs> I just, it chimes in if I ever post a, a video of me skating or if I'm, if I'm giving away a skateboard or auctioning one off, you know, it'll make a funny little comment. So that's, um, that's where we're at. <laughs> How, I mean, obviously you've taken a lot of, of hate over the years to your face and indirectly in social media. Like, what do you do with social media when you're, when you're scrolling and you just see BS over and over and over again? Like, does that impact you anymore? I mean, or are you really not impacted by it? Not really. I think every once in a while, there's something there that is an accusation or a trigger and, and, a, and I will uh, try my best to make them understand as opposed to just attack. Right. Um, and, uh, but, but really it's, you know, a lot of it's just people looking for attention. Almost, almost inevitably, if you do call someone out, they will backpedal immediately. Yeah. Um, and so With the truth, uh, right? when you tell them the truth, yeah, but also yeah. there's, 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 there's a part of you. I mean, I I've seen, it's funny cause I, I saw, I've seen a documentary on, um, comedians with hecklers and they're like, everything's going great. But there's a, if there's one person that is, you know, saying the true things, that's all I can focus on. And it's hard not to do that on social media. And, and, it, and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well, where you will see a lot of praise and then one person will say something mean or, or, you know, combative. And that's the one you focus on. And that's the one you answer. And that's just not fair to everyone else yeah. who is, is giving you compliments. So I've learned to sort of, uh, <laughs> I, I've learned to keep that to a minimum. Right. I mean, I was on Easter Sunday, Andrea Bocelli did posted this live video on YouTube of him singing from um milan and it had like six hundred thousand likes but then seven thousand people gave him a thumbs down and i was like who are these seven thousand people giving right but that, that's more anonymous i'm talking about something that's more direct like can you yeah. give me an example um i we we posted this announcement yesterday that i am now on the vans team and there were pictures of me skating the van skate park in huntington beach with no one around now 
that the look of that, especially right now when we're all staying at home and quarantined, is that somehow I got a free pass to go there and skate, you know, against all the rules. In reality, those pictures were shot a couple months ago, very early in the morning before anyone got there. And so the comments were like, oh, it must be nice to be rich and not follow the rules. Um, and right. it takes everything I have to, to not, <laughs> you know, to not respond like, this is not what it looks like. You're, you're making right. assumptions of people. <laughs> you don't know I me. I don't. I can't. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't know me. I was speaking of not knowing you. Um, did anyone ever tell you that you look like that pro skater guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of the questions. I get that all the time. All the time. That is a that is a thread of my life. All those all those encounters that I share on Twitter are real. That's so funny. All right, Aaron, I'm gonna unmute you. You ready, buddy? All right, go ahead with your question. Um, Tony Hawk, have you ever landed a twelve sixty before? No, Aaron, I've never even tried one. Oh. Um by the time uh I landed nine hundred for the first time, I was thirty one years old. And then um, Tom Shar did 1080s about uh, 10 years later. So then I was in my 40s. I was not about to try to spin anymore. So no, I have not tried one. But Michi Brusco is the Michi Brusco is the only person who has done that trick. And also, um, I love skateboarding too. Thanks. Me too. And I was at Modern Skate Surf at the 50th anniversary and I took a picture with you and you signed oh, my helmet. Detroit. Yeah, awesome. That was fun. That's a good ramp they have there. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Cool. Thanks, Aaron. Brayden. Hey, guys. Uh, Tony, awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, my son, Brayden, and I just got into skateboarding, actually. About a year ago, I got into it because uh, he was getting into it. But uh, Brayden wanted to ask you a question. Um. Sure. Did you ever get impressed by Rodney Mullen's dancing on his skateboard? Rodney Mullen is magical. Yes, I'm always impressed by him. He is the godfather of modern skateboarding. The reason that anyone can do a kickflip is because of Rodney Mullen. So yes, I have been impressed by him over and over. Could you ever do it? Do, do what he does? Yeah. Not like him. No, no. <laughs> that's why I. That's why I chose to do stuff in the air in the pools as opposed to on the flat ground because I just look too clunky and dorky doing what he does. <laughs> Good question, guys. Good question. I'm Matthew. I'm ten. And oh, hi, Matthew. Who's ten? How are you? I, I don't have any pavement at my house or around my house, and I'm mountain board. Tony, how, have you ever mountain board before? I've tried it a little bit. And um, to tell you the truth, I was a little bit frightened because I was afraid to, to fall on such hard and rocky surfaces or to run out of um, going that fast. So uh, I did try it and um, I didn't do very well with it. So I think it's, it's cool that you do that, though. You're very brave. Tommy, do you have daughters and do they skate? Uh, I have one daughter. Um, I have uh, five boys and she is the youngest uh, and she does skate sometimes. She used to skate a lot more uh, last year, but now she's very into theater and that basically takes up all of her free time. So really? I want to be supportive. I mean, I do sometimes try to get her back out skating and 
she likes it kind of, but um, she doesn't take it as seriously as she used to. Uh, good question. Good question. Thank All you. right. What is Sebastian losing his mind about here in the chat? Sebastian, raise your hand. <laughs> I can't see your question. There's too much. I'm sorry. All right. Denise, you are unmuted. Hey, Tony. Hello. Come here, Nolan. Hello. Nice to see you. All right. Wait, sorry, Denise. Thank you so much for uh, doing this, first of all. Um, our question, can you hear me? Can you hear uh, me? Sometimes. Oh, there we go. No, I got to pop you off, Denise. Sorry, your connection's busted. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, Denise, right. you sound like a broken robot through here. Yeah, sorry. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. We'll try and get to it. All right, Heather. What's your favorite park? My favorite park? Um, that's a good question. Uh, my favorite place to skate is my own private vert ramp, but that's not available to the public, and it, that's just more my selfish uh, comfort zone. But uh, I think one of the best parks in, in the world is here in San Diego. It's the Linda Vista Skate Park. It's got a little bit of everything. Um, it's got a really cool street course. It's got really good pools. It's got a full pipe. Uh, so I would say if you're ever going to come near Southern California, when we're all uh, on the other side of this, go to Linda Vista Skate Park, and it's really good. That's a good one. All right, Sebastian. Oh, wait. Sorry, what'd you say, sweetie? Tony worked on my skate park in Chico, California a few oh, years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. I hope you like it. All right, Sebastian, I'm going to unmute you. Go. Oh, so, Tony? Yo. What? Uh, how long did it take? How long did it take you to uh, accomplish your first trick? And what did you do when? You got frustrated. Um, well, I would say my, if, if by my first trick, I'd say like the first trick I ever made up was a backside varial. And I was about 11 years old when I did that. And um, I was very excited because it was something that hadn't been done before. And it made me realize that skateboarding is is such an open canvas that you can just do whatever you want on and you can make your own style you can make up your own tricks you can name your own tricks and i just thought that was super cool even when i was really young uh, when i get frustrated i internalize it i i don't take it out on people i just get mad at myself and i basically tell myself you got to figure this out you got to do it better next time and um I feel like that's carried me through all these years is always wanting to improve my, Im improve my skills and keep challenging myself with new things. That's a good one. All right. We probably have time for one more question. Evan, I'm going to unmute you. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Birdman. I want to go back to your video games and ask you if you had a favorite song off of any of the soundtracks or if there's any one song you insisted on being in a game. Oh wow, um, that's a that's that's a can of worms. Uh, I think my favorite my favorite song from our video game series would be "Police Truck" by Dead Kennedys because it was such a the Dead Kennedys were so influential in my world 
and when I was young, and to be able to bring them to that sort of uh, venue or, or um, an audience was very cool for me. Um, so I was really proud to, to be able to sort of bring that punk rock element. Um, what song did I insist? Uh, Los Angeles by X. I insisted that song had to be in one of the games. I think it was on maybe three or four. Yes, thank you. Those games are largely influenced of uh, what I listen to nowadays. So thank you. Cool, thank you. Awesome. All right, Tony. Well, we will wrap it up. You guys, I wish we could answer all your questions, but I feel like we could keep Tony here for a hundred years. So thank you so much. Let's talk real quick um, about your foundation and how people can donate because I know, do you still have some of the prints available? Oh yeah. Um, so I made a limited edition print. Um, actually, if you go to my Instagram page, it's in my bio. Um, but it's a photo of me doing this uh, full pipe thing. Um, actually, I can pull it up here. Just a sec. Just give me one. I wasn't prepared. So oh, that's okay. It's fine. We won't yell. At um, so that picture yes. right there. Uh, it was taken at a water park in Palm Springs. And um, we made a limited edition, 2,000 of them, and the money goes half to, uh, to the relief fund for COVID workers and half to Tony Hawk Foundation. Um, so go get them. They're, they're, they're selling out quick. So uh, yeah. yeah, get on it. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank you so much for your time. And I know everyone was really energized by this and just appreciate you. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for uh, hanging in there and spending time with us. All right. Take care, everyone. Well, and this this will be bye, available. Bye, Tony. Okay. Bye, Tony. Bye, Stay home. Stay safe. Bye, Tony. Bye, everything. Thank you. Tony. Tony. You the man, Tony. You the man. Forever. You can do it, Tony. Tony. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.